presence here for us Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here and we break all uh, heaviness lamenting from this atmosphere and the spirit in the name of Jesus and we thank you Father to visit us with your refreshing Holy Spirit today and we thank you for it Lord in Jesus name Amen praise God Amen 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 so we're going to talk today about there, uh, the fact that there is purpose in your praise and there is purpose in your praise Psalm 34.3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now the person who who stated this, this, this really was a, a praise song or part of the um, uh, um, uh, worship for congregations in the uh, Jewish tradition under the old covenant the singers uh, probably spoke this out and encouraged the people in congregational praise but there is an element of praise that so uh, encompasses and engulfs your spirit in your being that it is an overflow type and, and that's where the invitation to invite others to join into it comes from Amen. got me so there is a sense of overwhelming fulfillment in praise praise really is the Old Testament praise is more of a precursor to the baptism in the Holy Spirit than anything that you'll see in the Old Testament regarding that regarding worship remember when when the in the day of Pentecost when the when the people began to speak in other tongues they said they magnified God and they were able to tell by what they were saying the interpretation that these were words as they heard them and, and got the meaning they were saying praise the Lord for his worship endures I mean his uh, mercy endures forever that kind of thing so they everybody heard them in their own language and they heard them speak to them and they heard what they were saying they said oh these people are magnifying God they're praising God they're lifting up God and so there is an element of a spillover effect of praise so praise then becomes infectious as it comes out on one person it can there's enough there to satisfy that person's need and then it will spill on to others and there's a sense in a person who feels that way that they want to invite others in not to force them in but there's a sense that boy this is so good I gotta share this with somebody you got me and so when you see that oh magnify the Lord with me Woo, this is too much to hold uh, keep to myself I've got to give this away to somebody because this is something that's overwhelming my soul and it's making my soul rejoice and feel glad and there's a gladness here that I want to share with everybody else you see and so when this person invites uh, the, 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 them in and exalt his name together. Let's do this together because there is something that's going to be really powerful here if we can all get involved in it. So that's the understanding that you get. That there is an experience for believers that will go from one to the next to the next. And that is praise. That is something that's not withheld from anybody anywhere that you can certainly share with any other believer is the 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 uh, aspect of praise. Everybody can join in. You can't say that about everything that God blesses us with. Some of us are going to be more uh, um, able to receive financial blessings some because of, of what we feel in our hearts we're supposed to do. Some of us are going to be better at ministering and preaching and things like that than others. Uh, so there you'll find differences between people in certain aspects of, of receiving from God. But praise is something that's no respecter of person. It just is infectious and there is enough and ample for everybody. And it's given to us freely that way for a reason. There is purpose. There is a purpose in our praise. And so there are certain things that God wants us to have with such an intensity in his heart. 
that he doesn't want to lock anybody out from it so it makes it easy for us to receive uh, praise from God so the word praise we've heard the definitions before but you need we need to uh, recognize that there are ways to express this overwhelming excitement jubilation and joy in God and one is to hold out one's hand the praise really that word really refers to anything that enlarges and increases God that exalts God so praise would be words that we say that tell the truth about God and talk about his goodness above anything else that's going on when we talk about problems and magnify problems that tends to give glory to the enemy because that puts him on kind of a high pedestal you know we fear him because of what he's doing here and so you have to be careful to pull that down from its exalted place and lift God up instead see we lift God up in spite of what's going on in the natural because he's always God he's always good he's always ready to bless us and so his his situation uh, and his position should never change in our lives I know there are times when when life seems to overwhelm us and our souls can get uh, bogged down in in the affairs and the troubles of life but it doesn't have to stay that way you can put God right back up on his exalted place anytime that you decide to you can just flip the script on the devil and let God have his exalted place and there's a purpose in doing that as well it's called the sacrifice of praise the fruit of your lips because your lips want to utter what's going on what you're concerned about and what you're afraid of and what's bugging you you know people tend to that's that's a human way we feel like we like to to vent our feelings or express our feelings we have a right to to not feel good at this time or a right to be in a bad mood or a right to this well i guess you do but do you want that and sometimes a right is wrong Mm -hmm. that's true what you have a right to do isn't right all the time Mm -hmm. this because you know you have permission somewhere to do it doesn't really mean you should you know you think of a lot of things abortions one of them Mm -hmm. and legally by the laws of our land we have a right to abortion but that does not make it right that's right Mm -hmm. you know when the this our bill of rights was set up in this nation they said that we are endowed with our creator to rights and these rights come in a certain order life is first then liberty and then the pursuit of happiness now abortion cannot come in in the realm of life so it must fall into the liberty or the pursuit of happiness Mm -hmm. it makes people happy to kill a baby I guess that's what that is but that certainly comes third under life behind life so the framers prayed before they wrote these words down and they wrote them down in divine order so life always trumps the pursuit of happiness life always trumps liberty and your rights and what you feel you have a right to do the right to life always comes first it trumps all of those you know put those things ahead of life so if you're going to make a mistake you err on the side of life not on the side of what you have a right to do how foolish can we be I was thinking about this a few days ago I shared it with somebody I said you know one day I said I'm praying that the day will come and come soon when we'll look at abortion just like we looked at racism we laugh at that now to think how foolish we could have been to kept people back because God made them different than one another can you imagine anything so foolish it's going to be the same thing with abortion how could we have ever thought we were doing mankind a service by killing unborn babies and so when we when we come into our senses we correct these kinds of things don't we amen so anyway we're talking about praise 
and how that is infectious and there's a purpose to it when we exalt the Lord we exalt what God we exalt life and exalt what God wants to do and put him in a high place so one of the aspects of praise is the holding out of the hands that always is a sign of surrender Hmm? who you hold out your hand to is the one you surrender to that's why in a marriage ceremony, the minister will have the bride and groom join hands at a certain time. Meaning she, you surrender everything. And any bride in her right mind, well I won't go there. Let's just keep it, let's just keep it holy here. Okay. Well make sure the brother got some coin in that hand when he handed it. Out. Dollar bills y'all. Some Benjamins and some... Some of them people you don't see every day. Be Abraham Lincoln and George Washington, you to death. But you bring some of them other men out there. All them other dead presidents out there. Somebody you don't see too often. Make sure you see them. And all the men said. (laughs) Talking about a wife now. Y'all clean it up, okay? I'm talking about nothing else. We're talking about your wife. Where was I? Oh yes, praise. (laughs) But the holding out of the hand is a sign of surrender. Amen. When we lift up holy hands. It's amazing sometimes when you come in church if you ain't in the mood. You know what I'm saying? And you feel your spirit wants your hands to lift and you don't want to do it. You ever try to fight that sometimes? You just ain't into it or whatever sometimes. And it always comes at a time... Now this is what I sense sometimes is the Holy Spirit is moving you to do it most when you want to do it least. You know, it's like, okay, that's the time to do it. When you least feel like it, when your flesh least wants to cooperate with it. Amen. That's yada, means to hold out the hands. Hillel means a celebration or thanksgiving. So there's your attitude is there. The attitude must be one of celebration and one of thanksgiving. I was in a church early in my walk with God and they, they weren't spirit filled. You know, they didn't, the atmosphere wasn't really, you know, it's lack of knowledge a lot of it. They just don't understand how to uh, re- help people to receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, the pastor was a musician, so he tried to bang on the piano loud enough and make people. And if people didn't lift up enough hands, he'd get up and fuss at them and sit back down and all that kind of nonsense. Well, that's no good. You know, why don't you minister to people, get them spirit filled so that their hearts can really yield to God and and God can help them in this. So praise really is something that we're invited to by God, by the sacrifice of God. And especially in New Covenant praise, we're invited to by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So he's provided everything that we need in order to praise him. And the Holy Spirit then becomes a one who instructs us in praise. Mm-hmm. He helps us in that. All spiritual things we need the help of the Holy Spirit with. You just don't do them out of your own mind or anything. He has to release that in you and release that to you. Tehillah it means to praise him in song or in a hymn. It's a hymn of praise. Mm-hmm. So anytime you you sing a hymn, you're praising God. Any words that will make him large, tell the truth about who God is, is a praise. Barak is another one. It means to kneel, adore, thank, or salute. Hmm? To kneel, adore, thank, or salute. So there's an attitude there and a posture. So praise affects your posture. Affects your attitude, affects your physical expressions, and and affects your words. So praise is a whole body experience. It's not just I'm praising him in my heart. Well, that's not. (laughs) On the inside. Right, that kind of thing. Halal means to shine. So that affects your countenance. It means to boast, make a show, be clear and sound. 
some people are very expressive in their praise they will make a show of themselves through dance or through movement or something like that and they are demonstrating what they sense God is so praise will often demonstrate what you see God as or what you see God doing on the inside of you praise is a a very prophetic situation Shabak is another word for praise. It means to address in a loud tone. So here comes the praise him in my heart is not right people. <laughs> you know, can always tell them, well, the Bible does say to Shabbat, make a joyful noise unto the Lord and make a loud noise unto God. <clears throat> so as you can see, as the church begot, began to be persecuted, it was so silenced that the people thought God could only be found in a monastery or in a secluded place or in a quiet place and so it was very hard for the gospel to spread in that kind of an atmosphere so when praise is absent the knowledge of God ceases or slows down the knowledge of God decreases the gospel is silent and ignorance and darkness will ensue So one of the purposes of praise is to keep the knowledge of God available to humanity. See, if you can come out of yourself and begin to praise God, you'll find that your knowledge of God will increase with or without the Bible. It's better with the Bible. Trust me, you need all the help you can get to understand God. But there will come through praise uh, an entry into God's life into the life of God and in his presence you will find understanding and interpretation of things because because praise being a prophetic thing you can always get a word from God in that atmosphere you got me where if you you look at church history and you find where worship and praise are silent or absent Uh, There's very little word of the Lord that comes forth. Very little new revelation. None of that comes. But in praise often does come messages from God. And so God will begin to instruct people. Talk to them and tell them all those kinds of things. That they need to know and they need to understand. And once all the pieces come together for us. It gets to be so simple. But when you think about the way that the knowledge of God was lost from the earth and then had to come back to the earth through the Protestant Reformation, then you'll understand that we need to work hard to keep all the pieces here in the earth. You know, we need to work doubly hard to make sure that knowledge of God uh, gets uh, prevalent, gets more prevalent, gets more, get out, gets out to more people. We need to make sure of that because it's very hard once the enemy can silence the saints and silence the church and and get the church into hiding and all that kind of stuff. It's very easy to increase uh, ignorance. It's very easy for the devil to lie to people, you know, because if you can't get the word of the Lord for yourself, then he it's left off for, for man's wisdom to interpret things like healing went out with the apostles you know or God doesn't do this anymore God does that went out with so and so and that was believed for centuries because of the absence of praise one thing that was missing praise and worship God because anybody who worships God will hear from him wisdom comes through that knowledge comes through that understanding comes everything comes through that so your praise is very purposeful folks it's very purposeful and we need to understand that and hold on to it let anything steal uh, that gift and that understanding from you one of the purposes of praise is to magnify the Lord in understanding and increase because there's been a blessing deposited in us. Whenever there's a blessing deposited in us, a knowledge of God increases and an automatic response almost is a praise. And you'll find that in Luke chapter 1. These are the automatic. Luke. 
automatic things that happen to us in the realm of praise. So many times we'll we'll start to these start things will start to get real on the inside of us, and you know how God starts feeding you more when you receive. I call it you just ate the meal, and the, the He's helping you digest it. And it's going throughout all the parts of your body kind of thing. And so many times when God begins to put revelation in us, we'll get the meal eaten like in the service. And then as you go through the week or you, you reflect on it and meditate on it and, you can, and it continues to feed you. You know that you're digesting it then. And so that's the, one of the beauties of the word of God. And so we here, see here in Luke chapter 1 and verse uh, 46. It's Mary says my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. She had just been told by an angel that she would bear a son and God would he would save the world from his sins and so once the revelation and understanding comes into her heart her response then is to magnify the Lord it's an overwhelming sense of the goodness and the presence of God that cannot be denied and the only way to express that is through praise and magnifying God so really what has happened is God has done something heavenly on the inside of us and made a deposit and an automatic response comes from us because of that heavenly thing that's been deposited in us so then praise begins to be heaven's response through us for what heaven has done for us or done in us you got me so a praise then gets to be a language between you and God. There are certain ways that God will will bless us and, and will understand that we're blessed. And the, the only response that we can come forth with is, oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. That kind of thing. So it becomes a means of communication, a personal language between us and God because of the spiritual things that are happening on the inside of us. So then praise is highly spiritual folks. It's not just noise we make when we get together or something we do to show other people we know God just like they know God. And I know sometimes people take it out into the, to the carnal realm. But God doesn't stop them from doing that. He just helps them to understand what's going on. Amen. Because there are times when we really don't understand. All we can do is just go along with it and you know get the understanding of understand it better by and by kind of thing you know we have to do that sometimes but I'm telling you God will give you understanding and give you give you um, understanding of purpose and meaning behind these things they're not just things to do and they're not just optional things they're not things you do sometimes and when God does certain things and you know people say well I know you can praise him when he's good to you but can you praise him and that kind of stuff you know bringing it on to a carnal realm don't ever bring something that was delivered to you totally as a spiritual thing down to a carnal level let it stay spiritual and try endeavor to understand it in a spiritual realm praise should never be done for people I know it's done in the presence of one another, but it shall never be done with your being conscious of what people think, do, and all that. And I know when we first get started, sometimes we're self-conscious and we don't know what they allow here at this church, and we don't know what's acceptable and all that kind of stuff. But but that's another thing that we'll talk about, another aspect of praise. And and well, we talk about it now. And and the, one of the other purposes for praise, and we talked about it being your special language with God. Types of praise, what you do, it's an expression. It's a prophetic expression. It's it's released through your attitude, through your heart attitude, through your movement. So your physical man is involved. It it there are loud aspects of it. You have to lift your hands when you praise God. All of those aspects of it, and and the purpose is to release a spiritual into the realm of the spirit what's been deposited in your spirit by God you release it back to him so it becomes a communication and it becomes a language 
between and it's highly intimate and personal between you and God. So Mary's soul magnified the Lord. Her spirit rejoiced in the Lord her Savior. She knew that prayers had been prophecy is being fulfilled in her life. God's releasing things into her life. And she's more than glad about it. She's excited in a spiritual way about it. Then we know that prayer, praise is a garment. Now if you think about the fact that when the man and the woman sinned in the garden, they hid themselves from God, right? They were naked and they knew it. And we, we, we live in, we live a life of hiding from God because of that nakedness. And, but that nakedness gets taken care of with the garment of praise. See, the blood of Jesus atones for our sins, but it does not clothe us. It's a payment. It's an atonement. Whenever the priests would appear before God, what did they do? They washed up and got dressed in priestly garments. And so the Bible talks about giving us praise as a garment so that we don't perceive our nakedness anymore. Amen. Now, let me tell you how that I know that's real. You ever y'all you all been in denominational churches? Mm-hmm. When you're in a denominational church, you have no inkling, inclination, leading nothing to express nothing. What do you want to do? You watch your watch till the hour's up so you can run out and resume your life. So you don't enjoy it. You're there because you feel you have to be. Your parents have either dragged you, told you you got to do it. Somebody's told you it's a must do. And you sweat it out until it's over with. And you endure it. And you feel relieved because you got it done. And you don't have to feel bad that you skipped it for another week. Or you might be in an atmosphere where the gospel is preached a little bit to get maybe the people saved. But we don't have what we call spirit filled people or spirit baptized people. So it's not an atmosphere where the spirit of God controls things. I'm not talking about him being there. Wherever two or three gather together in my name I'm there. But I'm talking about being in charge and controlling. There's a big difference. And y'all know what it is. Because we've all been denominational people. Where they tell you how to be born again. We pray the prayer. We make the confession. We say we're saved. But we sweat it on Saturday night. Because we know we're doing stuff we ain't supposed to do. And Sunday morning we get up out of our bed of sin and come to church. With sin on us. And we stand there and we feel bad and the preacher preaches hellfire, brimstone and damnation. We have a few people to come up and make the confession and pray the prayer again. Hmm? But we don't have God in control. Because there is no no baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is no a fullness of the Spirit there. There is no Holy Spirit control over the meeting so the needs of the people can be met. Amen. So in that kind of an atmosphere... You might think it's okay to lift your hand a little bit when the song goes forth. But all these eyeballs look at you. And you know why they look at you? Because you're naked. Huh? And they're naked too. And they know it's wrong for naked people to lift up holy hands. Because your hands ain't holy. When you're issued the garment of praise by God, then you can put that on. The Bible says, praise is what? Comely for the upright. 
And if you're upright in God, you're spirit filled in God. And even though eyeballs look at you, you lift them up anyway because you're clothed. I don't know what you're doing. I ain't naked, brother, honey. I'm spirit filled. I am clothed. I've been given this garment to wear. Now you can dislike and tell me put my hand down if you want to. But I'm wearing my garment because I know it looks good on me. Because the Bible says it looks good on me. So that praise then becomes your clothing that you wear in the sanctuary. You could lift up holy hands and feel good about it. Now there might be some people in there that don't feel comfortable. You know why? They're naked. They have not been issued the garment. And so you see, see, when we were first spirit filled, what did we do? We went at first thing we did was check to see who lifted up. Is it okay to do what's okay to do? See? Because you weren't sure. And as you did kind of lift it up a little bit, you found this assurance fall on you. Amen. That was your garment of praise that God just handed to you. The first time you got in a spirit filled assembly and you dared to, and you found out it was okay. And you stretched up as high as you could got and you got all free with it. That's the first time you stretched up and stretched both hands up and he slipped that garment over your hands and you wore your robe of praise, your garment of praise. Amen? Amen. Because you're not naked anymore. You're clothed. And right now you get Holy Ghost mad at somebody if you go into a place and somebody would dare push your hand down again. Because you perceive the Spirit of God. See, he's in there inviting people into praise, but they can't sense he's there because they're not filled with his spirit. They have nothing to offer back to him that releases them from the shackles of man-pleasing and fear of man. See, our nakedness keeps us scared of people. It keeps us expecting hellfire and brimstone. It, it, It keeps us doubting our salvation. It keeps us, our nakedness does that. But once you've been issued the garment of praise, God expects you to wear it at all times when you're in his presence. Because that's how you stay in his presence. is by lifting up holy hands. So that nakedness always causes shame. God clothes us and takes us out of self-consciousness. So you're not self-aware and self-conscious. You begin to be God-conscious. So praise is given as a garment to cover our nakedness before God. And until we begin to, to get that fitted on us and get comfortable with it, we can feel uncomfortable in the presence of God. Many times we'll, we'll come in with heaviness on us and we think we're going to keep that heaviness through the service. Now most people, when you think about going to church and, and you think about the week you've had, it, there can be an excitement that will come upon you before you even get there. And you, I can't wait to get in there so I can lift my hands before I've had a rough week and I need that. Let me get on in there. Amen. Some people who haven't matured into that. You understand what I'm saying? You know, some people are quick change people. And some people just slow. You know, just put your clothes on. You got to have a ritual. Sit there and I had to do my shower first. And got to air dry for 45 minutes. And put the first piece on, the second piece on. But some people is quick change. They like Superman in the phone booth. You know, and jump out there and they write into it. You know, so God has a garment for the slow people and the quick change people, huh? I suggest you get a little quick about it, huh? <laughs> because we only have so long to get y'all warm, warmed up. But some people are so self-conscious they they just kind of fight that freedom that God gives you in the realm of the spirit. They they kind of like to fight it a little bit too much. So God is able to beautify the believer both in your spirit and your countenance. Isaiah 61.3 says that he gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of what? Heaviness. So you slip one off and put one on. You can put praise on right on top of the heaviness. You got me? And the heaviness will lift. Mm-hmm. And so he gives us these things so we can connect with him. Praise is, is the avenue through which we connect with God. 
It's because it's a sacrifice. Remember in the Old Testament, you had to bring an animal and have it slaughtered and see if the smoke was accepted. If it rose up to heaven, it was acceptable to God and God sent his presence down. Now Jesus is that sacrifice. So we have the 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 garment of praise to put on and the sacrifice becomes the fruit of our lips. See? That's your sacrifice. Huh? Now think about it. You want to you're mad, your jaw is tight. Ain't nothing come through for you all week. You want to just sit there and be mad and complain and blah, 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 blah. And you think to yourself, well, it's going to hurt me to not do that and speak well about God. But I'm going to get at sacrifice so I can be right with God. and, and get it. It, it becomes a, Your words become a sacrifice, folks. It, it, it really is. The fruit of your lips can either speak well of God and you sacrifice. See, sacrifice really means to slaughter the flesh. So you're really killing your flesh when you magnify God even though what your flesh sees is what's going on in your life. And it's pretty bad and it's pretty rotten and it ain't right and it's not good and you don't feel good about it. So I'm going to offer the sacrifice of exalting God above my situation. So that when I begin to speak well about him, he sees that sacrifice and he sends a blessing in return into my life. Praise then becomes a blessing in itself. You begin to think on things that are good and pure and lovely, a good report, praiseworthy and thankworthy things in an automatic fashion. Because you sacrificed the words that would, would bring condemnation and fear and all those things into your life. And you've, you've spoken well about God. Sometimes people upset us and we want to express that. And sometimes if you would just hold your peace and, and let that sacrifice come forth. You know, sacrifice and praise God. Amen. Praise is comely from the uh, for the upright. Psalm thirty three one. So when we're not upright in heart, it's unseemly. Doesn't look right. Sinners look goofy trying to praise God. You know, sometimes they'll. You ever see people who claim to be Christians, but they're really not, and they want to say the right jargon and say the right things, and it's always inappropriate. Not in the the sound of it isn't right, because it doesn't come from a thankful heart, from a, a heart that's been circumcised by the Holy Spirit. And so we we have to understand that the praise is not comely for them. It looks wrong on them. It's not something ain't right with it. It doesn't sound right to other people. Sometimes people people who are trying to be the best Christian they can get hung up with with those kinds of things. You know, they get around believers and don't feel comfortable. Why? Because there's a reproach on them because of their sin. And then they spend most of their time trying to prove to all the Christians, argue with Christians, well, I'm just as much a child of God as you are, and I'm just as saved as you are, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's because they've tried to do something that's not right for them. They haven't had the price paid for them and accepted it on the right terms. You've got to accept these things on God's terms. It can't be on your terms. It can't be a comparison between you and other people. All the self-consciousness has to leave if that praise is going to be right. So perfect praise then is what we want to attain to. And you'll see that the more you focus on God and the more intimate you make your praise, the more you make it a language, a way to communicate between you and God. Uh, the better off it, it is for you, the more fulfilling your life is. Praise is also a weapon. You see that in Second Chronicles 20. Second Chronicles 20. There are many weapons in God's arsenal. Okay? So don't just don't get mad at people and start praising God and think he's going to fight them for you. It's not how that works. You got me? <laughs> so it's, this is just understand that. Calm down. And, you know, I guess I'm, I can shoot at somebody. No, it's not quite like that. <laughs> so in Second Chronicles 20, um, 
this is right after Ahab. Ahab Judah and, and, and Israel are separate kingdoms at this time. King Jehoshaphat is king of Judah. Ahab has been king of Israel, but he's he's been killed in battle. The Philistines are, are many enemies Israel had. It seemed that the enemies is kind of like it is now. You see how it is in the nation of Israel. It's like everybody ganged up on them. You can see that in the word. It's always been that way. Right. It's always been that way. And God always raises up help for them. Amen. Sometimes it's human. Sometimes it's just him. But he always raises up help for those people. You got me? And so I, I would bless Israel. I would pray for Israel. I would be, be the friend of Israel. You see, because God, is, his hand is still on that nation, on those people. And he's always going to have a provision for them and help for them. And so God said these enemies were being sent against the nation of Judah. Jehoshaphat is their king. And it's like they're all encamped around them now. And it looks bad. It looks bad. Excuse me. And so Jehoshaphat has been a pretty good ruler you know he's beginning to demand more relationship with God from the people demanding now the worship come toward God and and things get more perfect before the Lord and in verse 6 he says oh Lord God of our fathers aren't you aren't you God in heaven in other words where are you he said you rule over all the kingdoms of the heathen you're the ruler over all and in your hand is is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand you? So God, aren't you? Can't you fix this? You're God of everybody, everything. You even rule over the heathen. Never ever think the bad people, the wicked people, the evil people are winning. Right. They're never winning. Don't get alarmed what you see in the paper, what you see people do, what you see wickedness prevail in because they never win. They never win. They're deceptive and they always are going to give the appearance of winning. Part of the way that they win is through other people's faith in their destructive ways. See if they can get the church feeling that things are so bad and they'll never get any better. Look at what they've done to our schools and you know all the homosexuals everywhere. And well they're dying like flies because they can't get over AIDS and if they get over AIDS, the wages of sin is still death if they don't repent. So they need our prayers and they need our ministry of the gospel to them more than they need us to be talking about how bad things are because of them. We remember who we are. We'll have an, an answer and an antidote for all of this stuff. But it's never as bad as it appears. The devil's a master of deception and, and making things appear that he's winning in this realm. And he says, aren't you not God who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham, your friend, forever? So in a way he's reminding God of his covenant. You know, if you do it by petitioning God, questioning God, however you do it, you have to show faith in God's covenant. And they that dwell therein and have built you a sanctuary there for your name saying if when evil comes upon us as a sword or judgment pestilence or famine we stand before this house and in thy presence for your name is in this house. And I think this prayer he gave to Solomon if I'm not mistaken and cry out to you in our affliction then you will hear and help. And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who you would not let Israel invade when they came up out of the land of Egypt. (laughs) In other words you left them people here to bug us and destroyed them not. I behold I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of your possession which you have given us to inherit. O our God will you not judge them for we have no might against this great company. Now when you get to that point that's a good spot. As long as you're thinking of ways that you can get this done and get that done, you haven't come here yet. So you just won't work for you. But once you understand you have nothing to offer against the power of the enemy if God doesn't help you. Amen. You run out of your, your plan A, plan B, uh, interesting ideas, exciting ideas. Somebody sued so and so and got a million dollars and you're going to do the same thing. When you run out of all that, that's a good place to be. 
and he says if you but he says neither do we know what to do but I our eyes are upon you mm-hmm. quit looking through your phone book your checkbook any kind of other book you got and just put your eyes on God it's a good thing never to take them off of him and all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones their wives and their children and upon Jezalel the son of Zechariah the son of Benaiah the son of Jehovah the Huida the Levite and the sons of Asaph came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation so all they had to do was as a people call on God they didn't do you see nobody didn't eat for so many days nobody didn't do this for so many days they got together as a congregation and petitioned God and stood before God and asked God for help and God sent so the prayer must come first whenever you need God to fight for you you must pray and ask him to get involved in your battle and know that you are let him know you are trusting him for he says our eyes upon you we have no might against these people and you told us in your word that if pestilence or famine or the sword or anything happened to us to come to you and to ask you for help amen why do we go here, there, and everywhere try to figure out an answer ourselves? He said, come to me for help. Doesn't matter how you got in trouble. When Jehoshaphat wants to blame it on you. See, we want to kill them people. Look at them now. They're trying to kill us. You're going to have people like that in your life. You're going to have people you fed and you cooked for them. You helped them. they go going backstab you. I don't know people I can't tell you the people who come to this ministry and been taken from no job no nothing we teach them how to pray we help them we feed them whatever whatever and they get on their feet and then they're too good for us anymore go someplace else and start giving and serving and all that kind of stuff and talk bad about us you got me so that's going to happen to you there's some people that you are going to do good and they will not return good to you that's their problem to work out between them and God but you keep your eyes focused on doing right doing good and serving God and if God tells you to do it all over again be willing to do it all over again especially some married people you know what I'm saying y'all got to be willing to do everything over and over and over again you can't play tit for tat in, in that kind of relationship won't last you be thinking you got tat coming and you ain't got nothing coming you got me because you know when we keep score for ourselves we always want to give us a little extra point right true. well i did that and that was really a sacrifice <laughs> he ain't done nothing for me hmm? well somebody need to say amen i don't care if you say amen or not it's the truth huh get plenty of opportunities to do that but you have to in all cases be obedient to God do what God would have you to do and so he says so the spirit of God came upon one of the singers and verse 15 he said hearken ye in all Judah and all inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou king Jehoshaphat so here Jerusalem was joined to them because of the, the increase of the enemy I don't know why it is when trouble comes people of God start to split up and accuse one another instead of getting stronger coming together. And we'll drop our denominational differences just come over here and help us fight the devil. He says don't be dismayed nor afraid by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's. Now when did that happen? When did it happen that the battle was not theirs but God's? when they let it go see you got to let it go before God will fight for you problem being sometimes with us we want to fight some and then tell people God going to get you or we go we want to slap them and cuss them out and you know talk bad about them everything and then say God you get them 
Um, it's not his battle till you turn it over to him in covenant you recognize that God has a you have a covenant with him that he fights those who fight you and he will will bless those who bless you and you let him get to fighting and get to blessing and you take your hands your mouth and everything else off the situation and he says tomorrow go down to them behold they come up by the cliff of Ziz and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness and you shall not need to fight in this battle but you need to confront the enemy. Now this is the thing. People don't want to get into position and take the stand that God tells them to stand. You won't need to fight, but you got to go down there and look like you're going to do it. Right. Amen. Huh? See, this is what causes the shackles of fear to fall off of us and faith in God to finally rise up to the level that he can overtake the enemy for us. Sometimes, you know, we've been cheated off of a position on a job and we don't want to face the people anymore. If God tells you to go back there, I got that job for you. Go back there, he's got that job for you. But you're not, that job is not going to come to your house and knock on the door and look for you. You got to go down there where the confrontation is, where the enemy is. And he says, set yourself, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Yes, you better show up. I better not catch you acting like you're scared of the devil, Amen. because he will chase you everywhere. Right. See, there's got to be, there is a, a battle line drawn for everything that belongs to you. Yes. There's a line drawn, and you've got to go to that line and be ready to cross it. When God says to attack and, and, and go in and possess, you've got to go up to the, the face of the battle. You can't be at home somewhere scared. Right. Talking about what somebody's doing to you and they treat you wrong and all that kind of stuff. God's not fighting for anybody like that. I can tell you right now. Yeah. And he says the Lord will be with you. You've got to trust that he's with you. Yeah, he's invisible, and yeah, you can't see him. And I just want to feel you, Holy Ghost. You may not feel Holy Ghost with you, but if God tells you to go do something, you go by faith, dry faith, as they want to say. You can't be whooping and hollering and carrying on and feeling everything. You just go dry faith. He said, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants, and they began to worship the Lord. Once you get that word from the Lord, that's when it breaks through on you. That praise and that worship, and that that signal between you and God that I receive that from you. See, if you go away with your head down, confused, and I don't know what to do, and I don't think it's right, it don't seem like I get, mm-hmm. That's why many times people get their answer and they never respond back to God thanking him for it. I'm going to do it. That's right, God. I feel you. I hear you. I'm going to do it and set that in motion. That won't happen. So I'll show you how you set it in motion. This is how he shows up for people that really get an answer and expect him to show up. And he says... The Levites and the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord of Israel with a loud voice on high. Hello, Shabbat. And they rose early in the morning and went forth to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall you prosper. Now he had to bring the people under authority of that word and bring them together on one accord that's one way of doing it is prophesying to them and speaking to them you must put your faith in the word of the prophet of God because you will prosper that way you must believe in God and he'll establish you 
In other words, we've been running around here believing everything we wanted to believe about God, but now we've heard from God. And when they began to praise God and thank him with a loud voice, a shout to heaven, that was their spirit communicating with God that they had heard him, that they receive instruction, they have strength to go and do their part, they have everything. Praise will establish you and equip you in what you need to face whatever you want to face. I don't know what it is going on with people who get an answer from God and are still discouraged and go home and mope and cry and moan and don't step out in God. You should communicate to him that you heard that. I've seen people refuse the word of the Lord. They'll be praying for years for a a husband to return or children to return and when they come back they still may at him. I said, what is wrong with people? You know, sometimes you've been waiting for the same thing and you would you would die for half of what they get and they trample it under feet. They never thankful to God for it. Upset about it still. Don't want to receive it. They never make that communication between them and God that they have received the word of the Lord. I've heard what you got. I thank you for that. I praise God. My soul magnifies the Lord. That's your signal between you and God that the rest of it is on him. That you've released it to him. The rest of it, God, I'll just go show up where you thank you for that instruction. I'm going to go show up and do exactly what you told me to do. Because I know you're going to show up and fight this battle. You told me it's not mine is yours I thank you for it yes. instead of hearing the word of the Lord and being upset and confused like he never spoke to you Amen. craziest thing in the world you know you labor and labor and labor and get the answer and you, you the answer should be the same as if you see it for real yes. that's right You get that word from God and you thank him for it and you hide it in there. And that praise becomes your personal language of communication between you and God. It should be that way. He should know exactly what you mean. When he gives you that answer and you start lifting up hands and thank you. I praise you Jesus. I thank you Lord. People come to me with legitimate words from God. Prophesying. I keep my palms lifted up in my hands. I'm receiving that. You got me? I see people come up, get a word, hand stuck in the pocket, looking all stupid and crazy. I'm thinking to myself, do they understand what's going on? Are they trying to understand what's going on? Whether you understand it or not, if you're trying, you have a certain posture before God. You have a posture of respect. You have a posture of surrender. You have a posture of wanting to receive and understand and hear and embrace what God has for you. And so that praise then becomes your personal communication between you and God. Just like it was for the nation of Israel. They weren't praising God because they were happy. They were still had a battle to fight. They had an enemy confronting them and they still had no might against this enemy. They were praising God because their answer came. And it released them from the responsibility of any threat, danger, harm, anything. I'll tell you what praising God does. It releases the spoils of war into your hands. Everybody wants the goodies, but we don't know how to get them there. Huh? It said they said, "Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever." Verse 21, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers to the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. That's what you want. You want his mercy to endure forever. You want his blessing on you. You could care less what he does to your enemy. If he can get my enemy to buy my lunch, that's cool too. If you want to chase him away from here, he can do that. He says, and they began to sing and to praise the Lord. And as they began to praise, the Lord said, ambushments. You know what that means? That's angels bigger than me, you, and this building put together. To stand against that army. Set them against all their enemies. 
that were come against Judah and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to stay and destroy them. So the enemy started fighting each other. And when they had made an end of, of one another... Then Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness. They looked in the hole. I said, well, (laughs) are you kidding me? There's not a person standing. Nothing but dead bodies. And I see bracelets, earrings, jewelry, brass, copper, iron, gold. Every possible thing that we can need just laying around with dead people. Huh? And I ain't scared to go take nothing from nobody dead. In fact, that's a lot easier than try to take it off a live person. Take that any day of the week. That's an enemy that puts up no resistance against you anymore. Huh? The spoils of war. That's what we fight for, folks. You're not just fighting for nothing. Are you kidding me? Every devil you kill puts a dollar in your pocket. Every devil you stop puts money in your hand. Every devil you stop puts a blessing in your pocket. Are you kidding me? Huh? How do you think Christians can live? How do you think we get our finances? The wealth of the wicked is laid up for us. All we got to do is make the devil that's holding it let it go. Destroyed everybody. Their dead bodies fall into the earth and none escaped. All of them did. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped them off for themselves. Oh, this doesn't belong to me. (laughs) Let me pray about it and get a confirmation. You do just that. Excuse me while I help myself. You get your confirmation if you want to. But I'm taking mine and yours too. While you getting yours confirmed I'm taking it. Go confirm something else because this one's mine. They stripped it off for themselves more than they could carry away. More than they could carry away. More than they could carry away. Where did these people get all this stuff from? They stole it off somebody they killed. Probably some Israelites. And they were three days in gathering the spoil that was so much. You ever think that sometimes people who are just amassing great fortunes of money are doing it so that believers can receive it? I believe that. And on the fourth day they assembled themselves. See, righteous people don't have a problem with that. That's right. right. Doubters always have nitpickers and doubters want to pick God's word apart. Well, the Bible says thou shalt not covet. You don't want it. You're praying for needs. Huh? Are you stealing it? Well, God just blessed me with it. Well, shut up and take your blessing. Quit trying to tell God how to do his job. That's right. You realize what the devil does with money? When he can have as much money as he wants? You realize we're the only the thing standing between him and taking over a government with guns? We're the only thing that stands between him and getting more drugs into more schools? The vehicle he always uses is money. He says, And the fourth day they assembled themselves in the valley of Barakah, for they were blessed for there they blessed the Lord therefore the name of it was called the valley of Baraka or valley of blessing until this day and they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem to the forefront to go again to Jerusalem with what joy for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies I'm telling you them people knew how to live Christians we just got to doubt everything judge if it's right or not did God do this he said he was going to defeat your enemies what did they ask for when Jehoshaphat came to him what did they ask for God you see how these people are threatening to kill they asked for their lives they didn't ask for money they got the money as a consequence of saving their lives you need to understand that God won't just save your life he'll save your life abundantly he'll give you resources and finances to live off of and do what he wants you to do 
Trust me, God will be looking for that money for you to do something for him soon enough. Things that God gave to his people had a purpose for them. When Moses brought them out of Egypt. They took all the, the, the money from, the, you know, borrowed from your neighbor's earrings, jewelry. Why? To build my temple with. Yes. Instead of making a golden calf, which they eventually did. Remember? Right. So this will kill the golden calf mentality in people. Right. Amen. To know that when God places finances and he didn't bless you, you ain't taking that money off dead bodies. I don't know if I'm going to be able to wear this. That's cool. Give it into the offering. Because God needs it to build his temple with. You got me? So God has an assignment and a purpose for everything he puts in the hands of people. What are you going to do? Leave it out there for thieves to take it? Uh God's trying to get it out of the hand of thieves into the hands of his people. But God has a purpose for praise, folks. It's a garment. Takes care of our nakedness in the presence of God. The only way you're going to feel comfortable in God's presence. Sometimes you'll see, I watch you know, kids in the ministry as they grow. Very little do I see them lifting holy hands. They should. You know why? They've been allowed to feel naked. The ones that get free and will worship God, you'll find oftentimes they live a better life, cleaner life. Stay out of trouble. You got me? They stay out of Why? Because they know they're accepted in God's presence. That's one way that they know they're accepted. If your kids are still standing there struggling to hold their hands down, talk to them. You know, lift up your hands. That's what that's for. God has accepted you. Why do you feel self-conscious? Well, the other dudes, they laugh at me because that ain't cool. Oh, it's cooler than you think it is. It's cooler than you think it is. You get yourself free of their nonsense. Huh? And their foolishness and their shenanigans, and you'll be able to to know that you have a covenant with God. You'll be able to take the presence of God with you, and be able to know that God's with you at all times. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding that we understand the purposes of praise. Father, we thank you, Lord. We receive it. We bless you for it. We thank you for it. We honor you for it, Father. We lift you up and we magnify you because you are worthy to be praised and adored. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up for prayer. And then I'll have um, Reverend Curry bless us or pray for us toward the end. Amen. Praise God.